Welcome to The Johnny Cassell Show. This is your number one resource for dating and lifestyle advice. All right, guys, so this, this week is a special one. Again, I'm inviting one of my dear friends on, uh, Mr. Richard Marshall. Uh, he's a fantastic entrepreneur. I've known him probably for the duration of, most of the duration of, of when he first took over um, Pall Mall Barbers which was, I mean, he'll tell his story anyway, but from what I know, I'm just going to give you a bit of an intro. Uh, he took over Powell Mall Barbers as a family-run business, and he was able to actually develop this business to become uh, a multi-location barbershop uh, brand in, in London. Not only is it a brand, it's got its own product line, and he successfully was able to actually bring it over to New York, which was a fantastic achievement, and uh, hopefully he'll, he'll be sharing a bit of that that with us in a moment. Um, he's a, he's, his, his mindset is something that I really want to kind of climb into. I mean, I've, I've, over the years, I've sat down with him. I've um, got into his mind and, and sort of a, able to like pull out certain things that can, can also help me in my, my personal life, in my business. Um, and this is what it's all about, guys. You've got you to always have people around you that have done things, extraordinary things, so you can kind of get a bit of that mindset and apply it into your own life. Hey, Rich, how you doing? I'm amazing, Johnny. How are you? I'm great, man. And um, listen, thanks for taking the time to um, do this. I know um, you're a busy guy as well as I am. And um, I, thought, I thought now would be a great time to, to bring you on. I mean, I've had, I've had a series of different people come on. I've brought them on at different times. We had Awana, who um, is a travel consultant, uh, on last week. So, you know, obviously, travel industry has been hit quite massively. And, um, you know, you, you with your barbershops, um, you know, you, you guys have, have, have took a big hit as well through, through this kind of pandemic. Um, so, you know, it must be a super busy time for you guys right now as you have been able to op- open up the doors finally. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about that as well, like how you, you've been coping. Um, we're going to talk about sort of grooming tips, you know, being in the barbershop game for such a long time. Um, mental health, you know, you had, that, you had the Royals visiting you. Um, as I shared a clip earlier, Prince William coming around, so we could talk a little bit about that also. Um, but before we get into that, could you just tell us a bit about your story, about how you, you know, how you chose the path of going into the barbershop game and you know, using these social skills and entrepreneurial skills to grow it to where it is today? Yeah, of course. Well, thank you for the invite, Johnny. And um, you know, I always like to add value wherever I go. You know, to to just the you know leave the place wherever I am better than when I found it. So um, it's a pleasure to be asked to come on today. And um, the thing is, for me, the reason why I got into barbering is because at school, um, I couldn't read and write, so I was dyslexic. And so I was um, unable to do certain things what other people could do at school. So I had to choose something which was... Practical. Practical and kinesthetic and visual. And, And none of this I knew until later on in life. Um, but basically I like fell into barbering. My sister used to work in a, a barbershop in reception. I went there one day and the guys there said, would I like to sweep the floors? So this was when I was 12 um, in Bedford in, in a place called Midland Road, which is a very multicultural street in London, uh, sure. sorry, in Bedford. And, um, and, and basically I just fell into it and fell in love with the communication with people and getting to know different types of people, the banter, um, you know, just getting 
know things like about situations and just talking to interesting people. Mm. And and that's how I started my, you know, journey into barbering, really. Excellent. So so with that exposure, um, do you feel, I mean, because I always advise, by the way, like, you know, if you have the opportunity to take a client-facing job, it, it's going to improve your social skills. You're going to start to see patterns in the way uh, you communicate with people. And I think the barbershop game or hairdressing, it, it's a prime example of that because you've just got such a high churn rate of people coming in. I mean, you must have been able to like, you know, practice a bit of chat and conversational techniques that's probably helped you out today in, in forming more meaningful relationships in your personal life, but also for the business, you know? Yeah, uh, well, 100%. And, and, and when I started, so when I was younger and I was working in Bedford and uh, I was probably in my teens, I was speaking to like lads, you know, people around town, you know, boys, you know, the, the lads type of mm. environment. When I started working in Mayfair at 21, I really started to start to work with uh, people like famous people, like really successful entrepreneurs, people who owned hedge banks, you know, uh, hedge funds, uh, mm. people, you know, tailors from Savile Row, um, you know, and I got to know who's who of, yeah. of everyone. And all of a sudden, I started to speak to these people, and all of a sudden, I started to adapt my, you know, my conversation skills. Um, I started to unconsciously model how they were behaving, how they would talk. Like when I come from Bedford, I was very street. I was, you know, a youngster and yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> and then when I come into Mayfair, it, it's you know, you you check, you adapt to your environment. Sure. Right? You become a product to your environment. Sure. So all of a sudden I started to adapt and I started to hang about with really wise intellectual people. And then after a while, what happens is you, you have these conversations and your unconscious picks up on these, these patterns of uh, successful people. Brilliant. Brilliant. And then, so there's a bit in the story that missing. So that kind of brought you, you've taught us about how you came into the barbershop game. Can you tell mm -hmm. us a bit about um, Pow Mau Barbers and how you actually acquired that? Yeah, well, it's an amazing story, and I'm very proud of this story. And yeah. um, basically, I I was working in Mayfair for for many years, and I built up a clientele just off Savile Row, and um, and I got to know lots of people, and it was amazing experience. It was eight years hanging out in Soho, and and just like you know, fun. Yeah. And then um, basically, uh, I was talking to one of my clients, and um, who's a surveyor. And he passed me particulars, details of this, this shop um, just off Trafalgar Square. Been on the market for two years. No one wanted it. It was a right mess. It was like, you, you know, it was like you wouldn't, it was really dilapidated, right? Yeah. So what, what happened is um, I went to see it and I walked into it the first time. And, and then that was it. I just fell in love with it. And I said, I have to have this store. And then... Um, Really, the rest was history, and and then I started to do it up. Uh, I, I because no one wanted it, it was on the market for two years. It was really run down. I had a vision. I saw it, and I said, "Wow, this could be this." And um, and then basically, slowly, weekends, I started to do it up after work, paint it, decorate it, and then I found an old business card um, down the back of some, you know, uh, sort of skirting boards. And I pulled it yeah. out, and it was um, it was a business card. It was the Pall Mall Toilet Saloon. 
since uh, established over half a century. And this card was probably 50 years old. And I was like, wow, this is really old. And then um, my mentor, uh, he's a historian and, and an author, and he taught me how to go and research. So I went to the libraries and then we dated it back through um, postal records to 1896. And then it turned out that I'd actually brought one of the oldest barbershops in, in London for wow. no. And then I just created the brand Palmar Barbers and, 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 you know, and it went from there really. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, you got that one rocking and rolling. And what I like to ask, um, you know, everyone that's come on here when they, when they've been in sort of these sort of business situations is how do you go from one to many? Because I know that's often a struggle that um, many people have in, in, you know, whatever their business may be. Yeah, well, it, it's a real challenge. I think the hardest challenge, really, it, like people think their first business is, is, is really, it's very difficult opening your first business, right? There's mm. a lot of firsts. There's a lot of firsts. Like it, for me, for the first five years, it was about not going bust, really. And it was very, there was a, a first lot of five years. First five years. Yeah. yeah. Really, it was, that was the real learning like curve. But I'd never done any management. I'd really never done anything with money. I'd never really done anything. I had to learn like lots of stuff. And so for me, I started from a very low base. Um, I I had the skills to cut hair, but I didn't know how to run a business. So it took me about five years realistically. But the the reality is the first two years, they say a lot of businesses go bust. So once I got through that, I was kind of cool. But then after five years, I would say I got a good handle on on, on running a business. Um, but when I opened my second business, that was the hardest. The second shop, you mean? The, yeah, the second the second. And, shop. and which location was that? That was in Fitzrovia. Fitzrovia, yeah. And mm-hmm. that was kind of the, the, the real challenge because if you're, if you're a business owner and you're in a building, everyone behaves differently. You know, the boss walks in and everyone stands up a bit, talks a bit smarter, you know, stands up a bit straighter and, you know, behaves differently, right? As soon as you're not there, shoulders go down, feet go yeah. on the sofa, you know, and yeah. so on. And so when you open your second business, you realize you can't be everywhere. And that was that was that was a real challenge. Control issues, you know, all these things come out. Like, um, but it was, yeah, that was a hard challenge. So how did you transition from like letting go a little bit, but still having, you know, still, because I, I can get the internal challenge, you know, you just want to control everything. And I think that is what keeps people small. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the kind of shift that you had that al- allowed you to do that internally? Well, I think I worked on myself a lot and, and I had to. So through, through my first beginning of starting a business, um, is it is it ego? Do you think it's ego that's getting in the way of that? Like I have to have control over everything. What what is it, mm. Johnny? You're getting deep now. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on, man. That's, I'm only asking. You want me to give questions. all my secrets? Um, <laughs> so so basically, um, you know, control is control. I, I think ego yeah. is ego, and control is control, right? So. You know, and and I think ego is important to a certain degree for a lot of people, and it gets a lot of bad publicity. But when it's overinflated, it's no good. It yeah. doesn't serve you that well. Agree. Um, I think control's a, a good thing, but when you have too much, it's 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 not good because it, you restrict your growth. Um, I personally, I worked a lot on my inner frame and um, my inner stuff 
for, for many years in self-development mm-hmm. and went on a whole journey. And just every challenge I had, I went and learned about it and, and, and just worked through it. So people just make addressing this, the ignorance, basically. Yeah, just just yeah. just learning about whatever challenges I had. And, and yeah. through about a decade, I just went through the whole thing. And then by the end of it, you, you, you know, you get very intuitive to um, your own internal mechanisms. And also, once you master yourself, you become a master of others. And then that's where it really you really start to sort of have different views of your own view, someone else's view, and, 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 and another view. You know, you take few, free views of situations. And that's really where, you know, probably I started to sort of really sort of understand about how to scale a business. Right. And, you know, what have you kind of put in place because, you know, you, I've seen your posts and that, and you're able to <laughs> enjoy the lifestyle, so mm-hmm. to speak. You know, yeah, it was in Barcelona you spent a bit of time in over there? Six years. Six years. Right. So, you, you know, you're running the business from Barcelona, which is, mm-hmm. you know, it's very enviable. It's a very enviable position to be in. You know, um, you know, we've all, I think we've grown up in an era where the, the laptop millionaire lifestyle has been promoted to us. Um, but how, how far from reality is that idea you know i mean because you you, you you showcase the ability to move around and then you have a business here a successful business here in london that is now also you know congratulations in in new york which is an amazing achievement what has to be put in place in order for you to enjoy that um a team right a team yeah it, it's building teams it's building systems and processes and it's it's understanding like and and i don't mean to sort of be um you know how how to egotistical or or or, or whatever but no, the, the, the reality is is um I, I found like once i started once i cracked the back of business once i got through the first two years five years and 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 I started to get intuitively understanding business. It became quite easy for me. It it wasn't like you know like running or going to the gym where you're running 10k and you start off and it struggled. And then all of a sudden you get to you do it for six months and 10k you want to do 20k and so on. It's really the same for me in business. So I got to a point where I wanted to start challenging myself a bit more and mm-hmm. and sort of like challenging myself further. So my my biggest challenge was how could I run an international global business? So, um, and how could I do that? And that was my challenge to myself. And that's why I took myself to Barcelona. And I started by living there for a, a couple of weeks, a, a week, you know, and I had a place there and I used to come back and forth. And then I used to see... It was a test, basically. Yeah, it was a test yeah, to myself. Yeah. Can I do it? Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden, um, it was kind of, I tripled the business. Amazing. So and and then I was like wow and and then I, because I started to look from a different perspective, and I changed my view of control and, and and empowerment, then basically what happened is I could start then to, um, you know, really sort of like look at it differently, look at business totally differently, and that's how I started to to really be able to grow it. So what what, what challenges have you currently been facing through this kind of period? Um, you know, and when I spoke to you, I think we just, you know, I get sort of gave a few people a call just coming into lockdown because I wanted to see how you know, people were kind of adjusting. And at the time, I didn't really feel that you you 
you were too worried about it. And you, you kind of gave me the impression that you kind of hedged your bets against something like that to, to kind of protect you. I mean, are you, are you still in that same position now? I and mean, how, how has it been? Yeah, well, if you, if you imagine like, pre- I'm just talking the news, right? I was reading an article like Pretamonja. Yeah. At the moment, they've forecast, um, well, they're not forecasting, they've probably forecasted about 50% of trade across their portfolio of businesses. They're currently doing 10% of trade wow. from pre, pre-lockdown. So they're in a situation now across 500 stores where, you know, in, in predominantly office work, workers and stuff like that, they're, they're in a lot of trouble. And um, they're in a situation at the moment where they've got to restructure, remodel, stuff like that and, and, and go on. And I look at that and I think, OK, well, this is really challenging. This is a real challenging time. Um, in lockdown, we wrote a business plan, uh, me and my project manager, mm-hmm. and we restructured the whole business to really work for the next 12 months. So we had the foresight to sit there, work for our plan, restructure our whole business. And basically what's happened is, is our plan, what we set out, is, is what's currently going on in my business. Right. So, you know, the preparation and the, the, the actual insight and, and so on means that we're already sort of set for what, what's happening. So now it's just small adjustments to make it kind of trigger and work. So I feel quite comfortable about that. And, um, you know, and that's really where we are. It's, it's not really a, a time to be focusing on, you know, hitting targets and, and, and um, you know, looking, yeah, you know, <laughs> going for the yacht, going for the bigger boat or the bigger yeah. car. It's about, it's, it's raw survival, right? Yeah. It's raw survival. It's just surviving, right? Yeah. I, 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 I get that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> going no. for the boat <laughs> no, we're not, I don't think that's the conversation we're having this year <laughs> no 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 do you know what I mean you, you know the boat is, is probably like 28 right god let's see fingers crossed um, okay those are some great business insights and it's, it's interesting to see um, you know you hear you taking the initiative straight away just you know all things on pause that what you know strategizing let's talk about grooming Okay, um, you know, so many years uh, working as a barber yourself and running these barber shops. What what do you feel are the biggest mistakes or or areas where men take a lack of attention have a lack of attention of when it comes to grooming? I think hair. Mm-hmm. I think hair is hair is a big one, and um, and really, you, you know. It's, it's getting it right and getting the right sort of haircut for you, the right style, the, 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 the cut, what's going to suit your face shape, the product, which is going to make you, you know, in, you know, maintenance of, of, of how you look over that course of the month and so on. And now, obviously, you've got um, the extra bits with gents, which is beards. But now that's also changed because of masks. So all of a sudden you get the guys with the big beards and all of a sudden you've got this mask and it's got, you know. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, I guess, I guess so. You know, you know what I mean? It's a bit bushy out the sides now, right? Over, <laughs> over the mask. So you see all the guys shaving their, so there's, there's this whole trend of, of um, post-COVID, which is now changing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's good. So, so um, how, how has it changed? Like people, you know, I remember the days we used to go in and just have like a, I'd be bringing in a picture of a magazine and it's normally bloody David Beckham or something with, with the haircuts, you know I mean? Is that still the way that people are 
I kind of get in their um, their ideas, or or is it something different now? No, I think I think it's the same. I think people mm. are looking for influence. It's more of the Instagram influencer these days, no? Yeah, yeah, it's just styles, right? People are looking mm. for different styles and stuff like that. But a lot of guys actually depends what age you're you're at, because a lot of guys actually want the same thing and just a variation. So you know they have a parting on one side, or they have it slicked back, and they don't want it bush brush forward or the parting on the other side so a lot of guys may think and flirt with the idea of changing their styles but then a lot of them are actually really set in their ways and actually like what they have for the last 10 years but they want to play around with something new and what i found is a lot with a majority of guys they'll change the style for a while yeah and and then they'll then revert of, back it revert back quite quickly you know is there, is there any uh, styles that people should avoid um, based on the shape of their face? See, see, it's a very hard... That's like, Johnny, how long's a piece of string? <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing is, I think what you've got to do is you've got to find the right barbers, right? You've got to yeah. find the right barbers. You've got to find the right barber um, to really sort of like connect with and, and, you know, for them to look at your face, ask you what you do for a job, you know, what are the things you want to do? What you want to achieve in? What is your style? Have you got any ideas of what what styles you're looking for? And then tailoring that to your, your individual needs. I think it's, it's, it's about tailoring, bespoking it for you. Um, and I think that's the key. Um, sometimes, you know, people will have these ideas and they'll come in with these photos. But when practicality, their hair may be different, it may not work. So what you yeah. would do is you'd have a hybrid of that. But that's kind of the the mix and match of having a good barber who could do a consultation and, and help you, you know, with what you want. What's the wackiest um, request you've ever had at the barber? I mean, there must have been some, huh? Where you'd be like, mm, I don't know about that. Um, yeah, well, we had, we've had quite a few, actually. But I remember when I was back in my Bedford days, um, there was a guy which was going to fancy dress party. Yeah. And so, so what he wanted, he wanted um, like a comb over, but he had like hair like mine. So he had a full head of hair, you know, big yeah. head of hair. So he had a, 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 it shaved in the middle and all that taken off and a comb over. So he, he kind of had that done and it looked ridiculous. <laughs> I think it would suit you, Johnny. What a ridiculous haircut. I've had a few. <laughs> I, I bet you have. I bet you have. No, but I think we could go for the comb over, shave down the middle, you know. It age is about 25 years, you know? No, I'm all right with it at the moment. I mean, if you saw how I had it last year, it was a completely different look. It was very long and a bit sort of like, you know, sort of rocker style. Um, gone more, gone preppy, I think, this, this, this See, season. It, your, your hair at the moment really suits your face shape. Thank you. I've had, uh, I've had uh, good advice on it. You have? No, and it's, yeah. it's, it's the way it curves around, you know, it follows in and it really suits suits your face shape and accentuates your face and so on. So it's a good, good call. Thank you. Um, now, when it comes to product, right, mm -hmm. I'm, um, you know, I, I recall times where I just haven't got the foggiest when the, the barbers asked me, do I have product and what type of product? Is there any rules for that? Is there any, you know, because there's, there's different thickness of gels and, and gunk and all this kind of stuff. Is there any rules, like if, if, if you have a certain type of hair, what sort of product to go for? So I know you guys have your own product um, range as well. Yeah, well, well, we we have quite a lot of products, right? Mm. So we have, um, you know, uh, a range of different products for different hairstyles. So we have, um, 
you know, a, a range of different products. And, and basically, it's really just finding the right product for you. So taking advice about how you, um, you, you, you use product from, from a good barber and, and, and them suggesting what product you use and when you use it is very, very important. So I think it's, it's, it's also like having that experience where you have a haircut, you have your style, you get some consultation, and then you have like, what product do I use to maintain this, this style? Right. And then really you can work on, on what, what that is and take the suggestions, what your barber will give you. So what do you, what do you think every, every gen um, should own in their grooming kit? You know, uh, yeah, as they wake up in the morning, you know, they go through their procedure, you know, they might have their moisturizer routine or whatever, you know, in terms of self-care grooming, you know, what, what do you think needs to be in there? Well, I, I think first and foremost, you need your toothbrush, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we've got that one in there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Start with your basics, right? Your fundamentals, yeah. right? So yeah. I think your toothbrush, I think you need that. I think you need some nail clippers. You know, you need yeah. to be able to cut your nails when you yeah. need to. I think um, depending on like now, because I think a lot of guys are not going for a complete shave. They're going for a shave around the edges, like tidying up the edges and clippers over the beard, you know, but years ago, it was electric, but now we're using little clippers just to take mm-hmm. the beard down and leave a little bit of stubble. So I think a little clipper um, is, is very important. Um, I think a razor um, and I think some great shaving cream and, and some, some really good moisturizer is, is really the key for, for any gent um, to have a, you know, a decent daily practice. Yes. And, and, and on the subject of routine, uh, how... How many weeks apart do you think should one come in for a haircut? Because I, I, I tell you, what, I made the mistake before. Like I used this was, you, you know, you, you leave, you leave the barbers, but just before you leave, they go, oh, "Would you like to book your next appointment?" And I'm like, "Nah, I'll kind of just call up." And then what happens is you don't call up, you get caught out, and then you end up looking scruffy for a couple of weeks because you forgot to book in. So, do you, is there a set rule? Is there any so many weeks apart? hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah. I think as a rule of thumb, if I, if I said to you four weeks mm-hmm. between haircuts, I think that that's really uh, a great, great time, four weeks between haircuts. Um, but, but now because you have fades and people have short back and sides, like really short, then I would say for that, you've really looking at every two weeks. Um, and then beards really to, to make them keep them looking sharp. You're talking every two weeks, but we have people what come in every, like every week. Right for, for for shape ups, you know, in New York, we we would have people every Friday, you know, for fades and skin fades and stuff like that. And it was like the regularity there was. I think the average at one point was uh, two point four weeks. Wow! And, and sometimes in London, it will go. That's to good five, for business, right? <laughs> it was like really like they were really sort of on the the, the tight fades there. So let's loop back around to that. So you just mentioned about the New York. Um, the new york business how, how does and that's one way you've described how business is different here from the uk <laughs> um what other sort of challenges have you faced opening up you know internationally um where do i start <laughs> let's go for it <laughs> let's jump in um well it, you know obviously like coming from- i mean it's a big sell right i mean you know a british brand coming into america you know a barbershop i mean bang massive impact 
Yeah, well, and also starting, uh, um, you know, starting where we started. So starting sort of um, from, um, you know, in London and then going to New York. And, and, and the story of that was one of a dream. So when I first watched Trading Places back in the day and I saw the skyline of New York, I, I, I always wanted to go to New York. And I had this dream of going to New York. And and I went there, and when I went there, I had this infinity, and I had many spiritual experiences in New York City, and um, and and one was actually at the Rockefeller Center, actually, and but that was many years beforehand, and um, and then I remember going there, and I when I I realized that I really want one of my goals in life was to open a barbershop there, and I was like, I want to open a store here, yeah, and I put it in my mind, and then. I'd done my research, kept going back there, doing my research, doing my research. And then I was there set, launching my products, actually, all skincare and shaving. And, well, just uh, like at a trade show or something? Yeah, trade show, New York yeah. now. And, and it right. went, we, we smashed it. It was a best-selling product on the, the shelves. Um, but I think that was to do with my English accent. Helps. And all the women were, were sort of like... Um, uh, all the women were buyers? They were buyers? Yeah, they were all women buyers, yeah. <laughs> America, all over America. And, and, um, and obviously they were, they were like, have you got your moisturizer on your face? And, and, and it was flying and they were just cracking up because everyone... I had this little dog, bulldog, and I was like, do you want to stroke my dog? And it was like this little um, porcelain, um, you know, little dog with a British bulldog, right? And yeah. uh, it's just hilarious. Anyway... I sold out and, um, but it, it went really well. And, um, but basically I went for a walk and I, I saw the shoe shine shop in, it's called Eddie's in, in the rock center. And yeah. I, I actually know the owner really well now. He's called Hugo. And, um, basically what happened was, uh, there was a queue of gents, like massive amount of men, um, waiting for shoe shine. And this place was massively busy. And, uh, there was a, a shop next door to it free and i thought what a great place to have a barbershop and and that's how it all started I, I phoned them the next day i met them the agent actually come um he come to um down to meet me and show me around and it turns out the agent was actually um he used to come to a barbershop i used to work in london he's actually no way what are the chances of that <laughs> So and and um, yeah. basically he one of my colleagues used to cut his hair in mayfair and we got chatting and then basically it was just like it took two years to do the deal. So everything what could have happened to go wrong Happen. went wrong. Yeah. And um, but we kept coming back to it and we just found a solution, found a solution. And then um, basically we two years later, we opened the store there and it's um, it's won multiple awards. Uh, we won the one, you know, beyond any dream I had, we won the RLI um Rising Star Award in Hollywood yeah, in Universal amazing. Studios. Yeah, Border uh, Trade Awards. Um, where I was away, and some of my team went to, you know, Westminster to collect uh, from from the you know the Secretary of State at the time, um, and and so on. So and it's it's really becoming a, an iconic place. Excellent, the well done, brilliant, so, yeah. amazing, really good. So something else I wanted to jump into there is. Um, you know, a concept I, I, I teach is social proofing, you know, showing, showing the market that you are pre-selected by others. And I think that's something you've really sort of acknowledged in business. And there's definitely examples of you um, doing that 
with the press coverage that you've you've had, has there been any sort of strategy to obtain such press cover- coverage? No. The, it, it, you know, the thing is, it's kind of really interesting because it's a great question. Mm. Um, I'm full of them. Well, yeah, no, no, obviously, obviously. Um, but the, 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 the reality is, is like with that, back when we started, when I started on this journey, you know, and people don't realize this, right? But it was me standing behind a barber chair cutting hair. That's how it started. And yeah. soon after that happened, things started to progress. And then we started to get media coverage. And people always have come to us. So throughout my whole career, um, basically what's happened is media people have always come to us. So situations, we haven't actually gone out and really looked at it. We did get a PR for a year, yeah. um, but we were getting more PR coming through our own channels. Yeah, I know that. I know, at the same, same with me, I get a lot of inbound. Yeah. And you know when you, you're just doing what you love and you're doing the best you can and you're, you're putting the content out there and you're really just enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. And that's when, um, uh, recognized. Uh, you know, things come back to you. So I think that that's really the beauty. And when we started to open up in New York, a lot of people grabbed hold of us and, and started to write about us. But still now it comes in regularly. It's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, it is. It's like a compound effect. You know, once you've got a bit under your belt and it just, you know, they just, your name's floating around on desks and people recognize you from the stuff that you've done before. So yeah, well done on that. I mean, I've definitely over the years I've seen that that you know you get in spots on the BBC. I think Channel Four might have been as well. Um, oh, and, and you know, you're a, you're a big fan of the MMA, the UFC mm. stuff. So you 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 managed to get some sponsorship in there, some product, some placement in there, which was great. Yeah, I, I love MMA. I love I've loved MMA MMA for for years and years and years. Yeah. And um, it's kind of like my guilty pleasure. Not that I feel guilty about it, but when I talk about it, like people sort of like, but I actually really love it. And um, and I've trained in martial arts most of my life and I really love, you know, lots of things about it. And, um, and when I had the opportunity to work with Cage Warriors back in the day and one of my friends, um, you know, got involved with the organization and and he invited me to a show and then I got to know everyone and I've become part of the family. And 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 really that was I'm very supportive of that and I, I really love it. So yeah, we, we've got some great placement in, in for Cage Warriors and we've got broadcast all over everywhere and, and stuff like that. So that was really an amplification of um you know my love of MMA MMA really. But you lost the bet though, didn't you Rich? With the Connor and uh, Mayweather fight. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. And I had to buy you dinner, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> I did. I remember it was before I went to New York as well. And I, I thought he was going to, I thought he was going to knock him out and he didn't. Yeah. It's just two different, two different animals. That, you know? mm. um, but I think that, I think that kind of nicely gets us on to talking about, um, you yeah, know, men's mental health. Actually, I feel, I feel that, you know, we've seen we've seen the, the giants of the sports like Tyson Fury come out and talk about his problems with um, mental health and, and bouncing back from that. Um, you know, and and the Royals, for example, you know, they're back in the Heads Together campaign, and um, and that was and that's why Prince William came to 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 your Paddington store, was it not? Exactly that, yeah. 
and right. and it was it was um obviously in Valentine's Day um last year <clears throat> and it was it, it was an inward bound thing where we'd supported people and it's amazing uh, like that was just an inbound oh, fuck, it's yeah. amazing what an opportunity amazing opportunity and mm. um and it was just because we were you know i've always been supportive of charity you know and i and i've always backed everything really you know giving products away to letting people use our space and I, i've always been generous with with that kind of stuff and we'd supported one charity um and we'd been pretty good to them over a set amount of time and then they had uh, an opportunity where they wanted to do um they prince william wanted to come and meet them and then they wanted to set it in a barbershop and we got speaking and then they used it in ours and and then it just escalated into um us shaping it into paddington central yeah and, and then basically from there it just really took off and and it was it was probably one of the high well that period of my life last year was probably the highest point ever in my career i, oh, I, I could see like that that video i showed on my stories of you walking in like you could just see i could you could just see how proud you were and just sort of check in with yourself thinking is this really happening like uh, is this is this what's going on right now <laughs> i tell you what when he come out the car and um and i had to meet him and, and i was hosting the event so yeah. i had to greet from the car and I had to bring him in and bring him downstairs and take him to the event and then the guys were doing all the other stuff so yeah. it was well organized and um and basically the security guard what we were having banter with he he said right okay this is your role and i was like okay this is cool so i got to meet him from the car and when he got out of the car he had an aura and and he had this purpose and it was kind of and it was perfect day it was like valentine's day the weather was perfect um and i remember walking down and just it was just so surreal and um but then what was more surreal than that was when he um, started to open up about his childhood. Wow. So, he's, so he was just completely being vulnerable. About, you know, his mum yeah. passing away and having to deal with that as a child and the press and, and all these kinds of things. And he started to talk about things what you'd hear on the news. And you, you, I just got a total different perspective um, from from what happened. And I was quite blown away from that. But he is a real true role model yeah he he like his energy the way he conducts himself the way he portrayed himself perfect role model um so much pressure as well to be in that position you know and i think he's dealing with it very well i think when they were young they 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 had a lot of stuff to deal with oh yeah um and 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 that's why mental health for him is such an important thing to you know to break the uh the the stigma attached to it yeah and i think i think it's um we do need to be more encouraging and speaking uh to, to promoting this idea of of having that someone to talk to and if you know i think the barbershop chair is that place you know i mean I, i've had some fantastic conversations with some of your barbers <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm a very vulnerable man in that chair, not just with the hair, but the stuff we're talking about. You know, I'm, I, I just that's my space. That's my that's my therapy chair. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and a lot yeah. of people, I because I, when I was barbering, cutting hair, I would have I went for like 40, 15 years. I'd have clients for fifteen years, right? And I'd been through many different things with them. So, you know, them get dating, getting girlfriends, you know, 
You really get married. to know them, huh? Yeah, getting married, yeah. Um, having children, you know, uh, having children, going through, you know, getting divorced, having affairs, you know, all these, <laughs> like, wife having affairs, you know, whatever. It was kind of like, it was all this sort of stuff parents whatever and and you would go you would see them go through the the the, the life you know ups yes, and downs for yep, life yep. And, and and a lot of people when i see them we still have that connection today i haven't seen them for a while but people still you know we still have that connection you know and and, yeah. and a lot of people sometimes they'll tell you stuff which they're not going to tell anyone else yeah they feel like it's a safe spot to sort of, of share it's like the taxi driver. Do you know where you've got the little window? It's like the taxi confession. Like, well, I'll tell him and then shut it and get out of the car. Right? <laughs> the amount of dating advice I've got from taxi drivers. Really? What's the best tip? Oh, I can't repeat on this live, but it was from, it was from a gent in LA. And he... It, I, I can't repeat what he said. I can't repeat what he said. <laughs> but it was definitely from his own experience. Um, what I can say, he says, don't don't shoot for a 10. Shoot, <laughs> shoot for a 7 because they're more grateful. Is <laughs> <laughs> what I can share. But the, the, the rest, the explicity of it. Was <laughs> My mum might be watching. Exactly. That's why it's a, a PG channel at yeah. the moment. I, I, I brought her an iPad and now she's she's stalking the world. So uh, Oh wow. That's like when I go to visit my, my mum and dad, you know, that everyone sat there in the living room with the iPad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. How how do you deal how do you deal with hair loss? Like is there a way of combating that through through product? Um through disguising the fact that it's happening? When, when do you feel that you should be like, you know what? There's only so much of the comb over I can do. I've got to go and actually get something sorted. Well, I, th- I think it's it, like, because you look at my hair, right? Mm. I've, I've, I can only empathize. Like, I can only empathize with people that lose their hair, right? But I've, I've seen guys in their 20s, like, fall apart, like, in my yeah. brother's chair. Right, so so wow. you know, eighteen, nineteen, when they're losing their hair for the first time, and, and you must see their... it as well. Like you said, you've you've seen his clients for fifteen years, so you just see the the timeline of the health of their hair sort of like decline. A hundred percent, I've seen yeah. that, and I've seen them come when they're younger, and 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 it's very different if they're in their thirties, forties, fifties, and they're losing their hair to when they're in their twenties. So when they're early twenties. Um, teens. I've, I've one of my good friends who I've known for my lifetime. He lost his hair from about twenty one, and he, wow. he he he, you know. And at the time, I think he was, you know, he went through some real. And now, obviously, he shaves his hair and he accepts it. Yeah. Um. And um. You know. But I remember him going through it, and and when he was fifteen, he had thick hair. But a lot of people go through a lot of emotional um, turmoil with hair loss, and and it's an internal thing for them. So someone who is an outsider looking in who hasn't really had that issue, I think it's only a matter of me having empathy for that person. Um, But I think what people can do is I went to one of the um, famous, um, uh, you know, hair loss places. Yeah. And um, and we were going to partner with them years ago. And and I thought, oh, this is a great idea. And we were going to send people. But before I went and done it, 
I went to um, to see what they do mm. and how they would deal with my clients and stuff like that. And realistically, I I don't really have a problem with hair loss, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they convinced me I did, and convinced me I needed to spend. Um, I think it was like four hundred pound a month on right. product. Yeah, this was twenty years, fifteen years ago. So you know, and so and what I realised is what I didn't like is they were prying on vulnerability of people. And that's how they made their business. So the reason why I'm saying that, because I think it's it's important to put that out there as yeah. to, to just sort of put it out there. Now, yeah. I think the, the 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 reality is is I think that with a good barber, good hairstyles, good product, you know, not using gels, using more matte dry products to thicken your hair. And I think taking good advice from people you trust. Okay. That's a that's a really interesting that's a that's a great tip. You know, from 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 people what you trust and um, mm-hmm. and looking at it. But I think that the the reality is is most people um, looking at someone else, they don't really notice if they're receding or they're thinning. They may do it as a joke, you know, and sort of poke fun and stuff like that. But I think it's more self conscious of the person with it. Yeah, if that makes sense. It's a real sort of internal thing. So I think once they they have that, like. You know, I know you've talked about your receders before, Johnny. The receders. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? You, you've talked about your receders, right? Yeah. On You know, on live, on yeah. on many different things, right? Yeah. And uh, your receders are, 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 you know, a, a, a thing. But I don't see them. Yeah. But I, I get dare say at one point you did, right? So yeah. um, this, this is really my point. It's interesting. It's interesting you, you talk about the... the um, these hair clinics that are um providing solutions and I, I have i have had friends that have gone to these hair clinics where they've signed up for the product and it has done them some good um but yes you, you when you do walk into one of those places you do see like holy shit this place is just printing money like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh it, it's one hell of an organization i mean i i i signed up to a particular company uh, and it, it wasn't as expensive as, as you mentioned, but um, probably the, t- the it's probably got more accessible over the years. Uh, I think it was about seven hundred for the year, and um, yeah, for me, I was just I, I felt a, I don't know if it was to do with the chemical or something. It was very odd, but I just felt there was a change in my behaviour a little. My, my it was, I think it was agitating me. It was it was an odd response to it. Um, so yes, I, I do get what you're saying. It, it is more of a, a you you recognise it more than uh, the other, and but I feel like if it does, if it is an area that you want to improve your confidence in, then certainly get it handled. You know, and um, something that I may be looking at is um, you know transplant uh, somewhere down the line because I enjoy I enjoy having hair. I enjoy as part of my look, as part of my image. I, I enjoy being able to play around with different styles. Um, Otherwise, I'm just going to be the bald head man of the goatee. <laughs> Unless you've got any other more other styles for me, Rich. <laughs> but, but the thing is, I think like now, now realistically, like with the hair loss and and hair transplant, and years ago, it, it's it's advanced so so fast oh, yeah. and it's getting a lot cheaper. 
mm. you know, when, when I first saw it, like in 30 years ago, when I started cutting hair, there was big chunks out the back of the head, planted yeah, on right. top, and there was big mm. scars and, and so on. And it did look quite, quite painful. Whereas yeah. now I've seen some of them, which actually you look at and you think, wow, that this is, they've done a really good job here. You can't notice it. And yeah. I have seen some products as well, which do actually work. Um, which people have used, and I've noticed their hair thickening up and, and, and so right. on. So, but it really depends on the product for the person. Does it work for that person? Because one person will get a result with it and another person won't. So it's very hard to sort of say generally what's going to work. But what I will say is just finding out what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. Something I, um, I ask, Rich, um, on, 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 on every live, there's two questions, <clears throat> just to mix it up a bit. What would your last meal be? I can't answer it. What do you mean you can't answer that? <laughs> <laughs> you naughty boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, understood. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, and and <laughs> I love that. If 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 you had to organise, if you had to host a, a dinner party, and you had to have guests from past, present, you, uh, who who would you have around the table? You obviously, Johnny. Oh, you're, you're the first one to say that. You're the first one to say that. <laughs> um, it's a good question. Yeah. You know, I I think like to be honest with you, there's certain people I would like to meet. Right, people what have inspired me in my life, right? Certain parts, and and maybe only for a little bit of time. Um, You know, some I've passed through. Like I passed through Tony Robbins years ago, and I learned a lot from him. And then I um, I learned, you know, Richard Branson in my younger days, he was quite an inspiration to me. He's very dyslexic and we shared the same path, you know, sure. in, in the past, like schooling and stuff. And, and when I went through his autobiography, it was quite similar. So people like what have inspired me, um, especially around business and so on. That's really the type of people I'd like to to sit down and, and, and have a good, you know, good, good chat with. But yeah. one of the things like what happened to me is um, through my self-development journey, I had, um, I I learned about NLP and it was one of the things which I studied and I spent a lot of time studying. Mm -hmm. And it was quite funny because it's on a similar theme that I was sitting there having dinner um, and it was the last dinner before everyone, final dinner before we left to left the whole, the whole weekend. And um, the co-founder, John Grinder, come and sat opposite me and we had dinner together yeah. just randomly. And I had an hour and a half with him and uh, it was just one of them sort of, it reminded me of that. And he was like totally awesome to, to just talk to and how, how self-development and all this like, like era began, you know? And um, yeah, so that was one of them already ticked off. Great. Great. So that's, that, that, that was it then, but just, just, just a small dinner. Yeah, just a small dinner. Yeah, I, I'm not, you know. Well, I'm privileged to be around the table, mate. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you'll be there, Johnny. That's all right. <laughs> you can bring with, with, my, with my bald head and goatee or my, my, my side part in holding on for the years? 
I, I think we should get you a wig. Oh, God. I think that brings us to the end of the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Uh, so you've got six locations here in London. Let's just run through them if, if people want to um, get their hair cut now that they're coming out of it. So you've got the Trafalgar location. You've got, um, so you've got Trafalgar Palmar Barbers. Yeah, Fitzrovia Palmar Barbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paddington Palmar Barbers. <laughs> Um, yes. what are the other ones? Um, so we've got King's Cross, Bishop's Gate, yeah, um, Fitzrovia, uh, we've got Birmingham, the mailbox, Birmingham. and yeah. we've got New York as well. Fantastic! So, so yeah, New York, quite a few good stores. we've got good, good spread of location. Great, great. Okay, is there anything else that you want to kind of add in, into this discussion? Are people going to be listening on the podcast as well? Anything, no, any, I, any I funny think tips they, or every... advice or anything? Um, I think I've covered quite a bit actually, yeah. but I would say that if people wanted to come in for a service, a haircut, you know, message me up, I'll make sure you get looked after and I'll recommend if you tell me what hairstyle you've got, um, or what you're looking for, I'll make sure you get one of our best barbers to give you the best service and, uh, we'll give right. you some recommendations and so on. And we'll make sure you get thoroughly looked after. Oh, brilliant. Appreciate it, Rich. Okay. All right, mate. Well, uh, listen. Th- thanks for coming on. Um, I've in- I've enjoyed. I've I've really treated this as a bit of a catch up, actually. So it's um, been good, right? Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. I mean, normally we're sat over on um, wh- where was we last time? Somewhere on uh, Tottenham Court Road, having a, having a coffee there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess this is the closest we can do <laughs> for now. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, thank you for coming on, and um, yeah, we'll have a we'll have a catch up when we can offline. Um when we can organize it no problem well good thank you very much johnny and we'll speak to you soon okay yep absolutely all right buddy take care thank you bye-bye okay guys so there you have it um i hope you enjoyed my discussion there with richard um he's a great friend of mine i've known this guy for several years now and it was really great for him to share his entrepreneurial journey give us a few tips on on styling grooming you know what to have there back there in the bathroom and, and again, for him to offer any, anyone that's been listening and is in London or in New York to pop in, uh, message him, and you get well looked after when you go in there. Uh, guys, stay tuned. Again, every Tuesday, I bring on a special guest, and we explore a topic. We explore their journey and how they have applied uh, the social sciences into their world to get what they want out of life. Okay, guys, take care and have a great day. Bye. Hi guys, if you enjoyed the content, why not head over to my YouTube channel and hit subscribe. If you want to send me a message directly, head on over to my Instagram, London Dating Coach, where you can contact me directly.